Hallelujah. Let's praise Him with our hands. 
Hallelujah. You deserve the glory, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could we sing this song together? Our God reigns. How lovely all the mountains are the feet of him who brings good Like pouring 
this one's a good one. Out from the tomb, he came with grace and majesty. He is alive. Oh, shout it now. He's alive. Well, he's alive. Glory. And God loved us so. See here his hands, his feet, his side. And yes, we know. I'm so thankful, friends. He is alive. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing this little song together. Uh, Jesus, hold my hand. Actually, let's start off with uh, I found the way. Amen. That's the one I wanted to sing. Key of F, please. I have found the way that leads to endless day. Yonder in the glory land. And the road is bright. Jesus is alive, and I hold his guiding hand. Will I have found the way? Will I have found the way? Oh, glory, hallelujah. Yes, I Jesus is so near, I will bravely be that bold, and happy songs I'll sing in honor of the King, and to glory onward go, well I have found the way.
I kneel in prayer, oh, I hope to meet you there, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that he holds your hand. I pray that he holds my hand. Amen. If we're holding his hand, I believe we'll make it through. Hallelujah. The hand of God Almighty. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Let's sing another song. Lord, I give you my heart. Let's just change the mode of the service here and let's just calm our spirits and enter a mode of worship. Amen. Before we take our special needs to the Lord. Man, I love to praise and worship him. Don't you? Man, just pushes away the filth of this world from your mind, the clouds of doubt and that peace that passes understanding. Amen. Can enter in and just calm your spirit. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Oh, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, and I live for you alone. And every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your is my desire to honor you and Lord with all my heart I worship you and all I have continue to remember brother Keith Buchanan he's still recovering from surgery and, and just keep him in your thoughts and prayers and also our brother Tom Ward 
Brother Deacon Tom, if you'd remember him in prayer, he's still recovering from the incident he had uh, while he was working. Keep him in your thoughts and prayers as well. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Um, also, uh, I don't see... Brother Ethan, is your dad here today? I didn't see him on the audio. Okay. So let's remember Brother Ben McCafferty in prayer. He's not been feeling well. So let's just keep him in our prayers. Amen. Uh, remember the Whitlocks. They're not with us. Uh, had to work today. And uh, if you remember Brother Richard Smith in prayer, he has a very special need. Um, he's got some spots that the doctor is doing some tests on his skin, on his face. If you would remember that in prayer, uh, he has to have some testing done on that. We'll remember that special need in prayer. Also, a special prayer request for my wife, for her cousin, uh, who had a stroke. Amen. And we're also praying for his salvation as well. He's just lived a very rough life, and uh, it's beginning to take a toll on his body. If you remember him in prayer, we would greatly appreciate that. His name is Timmy. Amen. Brother James, if you'd come forward and uh, take a special needs for us to the Lord. Do you have unspoken prayer requests by the uplifted hands? Amen. We're going to be praying with you, friends. Just hold those special needs on your heart before the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, what an opportunity we have here today to just come before your throne and worship, just to bring all our needs to you. These needs were not needs that need to be taken care of, Lord, but you've taken care of it from the beginning, Lord. Just help us claim that today. Help us just open our hearts to your word and just do your will, Lord. We all want to be tender for the word that's being spoken here today. And we just know that there's just a peace that comes from you, Lord. And give these people that are struggling and this brother Timmy that we don't know him, Lord, but a need is brought by one of your children, Lord. And we know that because of that we have a way to reach you lord you are the intercessor and you will give that need because we ask and we've asked it lord and we just know that we'll receive just give comfort to those that are ill and give strength to those that are weak lord and just open our hearts again lord we just we love you we we want to praise you and worship you and just the fullness today lord in jesus christ's name we pray amen Thank you, Brother John. You can have your seats. Amen. We have a couple specials today. And uh, Sister uh, Jane has a special for us, and also Brother Ethan. So I'd like to ask Sister Jane if she'd be making her way here, getting ready. I have a praise report to read uh, to you in the. Uh, she's making ready there. Um, this is from the Ivies. <clears throat> and the note says here the bible says in everything give god thanks so we would like to publicly express thanksgiving to the lord for the recent trials and his protection through them uh, an auto accident totaled rebecca's car and a storm blew our neighbor's 150 foot hickory tree down on our house on monday causing extensive damage but through it all he has kept each of us safe the last few weeks, we can testify that the Lord's mercies are new each morning. God is good. And that's from the Ivies. I mean, let's give God a hand of praise for that. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. God is certainly good. Amen. Sister Jane. 
In uh, Mark 15, 37, the Bible says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom. And this veil was thick. One scholar said three to four inches thick and about 30 feet high. So it's, you think of a veil as a bride's veil. But, but God tore the, the entrance open into the Holy of Holies that had previously been closed off. Once our blessed Christ of beauty was veiled off from human view, but through suffering, death, and sorrow, he has rent the veil in two. Oh, behold the man of sorrows, oh, behold him in plain view. Lo, mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two lo he is the mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two yes he is with god the father interceding there for you for he is the mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two. Oh, behold the man of sorrows. Oh, behold him in plain view. Lo, he is a mighty conqueror. Since he rent the veil in two. Lo, he is a mighty conqueror. Since he rent the veil in two. praises too for he is the well-beloved since he rent the veil in two oh, oh behold the man of sorrows oh behold him in plain view lo he is a mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two throughout time and endless ages heights and depths of love so true he alone can be the giver since he rent the veil in two oh behold the man of sorrows mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two lo he is a mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two hallelujah let's give him another hand of praise we appreciate Sister Jane and Brother Earl very much and the contribution and the beautiful song. Amen. Brother Ethan, if you'd be making your way up this time.
mind again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And no it's not much I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing hallelujah Hallelujah For I've got one response I've got just one With my arms stretched wide I will worship you And I throw up my hands Praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And no it's not much I've nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing hallelujah
spirit of worship with that song, brother. Thank you. Hallelujah. Deacons, if you'd come forward, let's stand to our feet. Amen. And we're going to take up our offering. I believe in that mode of worship we should just enter in today. And we'll just continue in that line of worship with uh, I stand in awe of you. Brother Mike Pritchard, if you'd lead us in prayer for the offering this morning. beautiful song this is. Let's sing it together. I stand in awe of you. You are beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen. of your love You are beautiful beyond description Majesty
Lord Jesus, the very first thing that we want to do this morning is just acknowledge your presence among us, Lord. And thank you that you have condescended, Lord, to visit with us and to manifest yourself, Lord, in such a sweet and a simple way. Now, today, Lord, we present ourselves before you, and Lord, we know that there is always, Lord, a capacity, Lord, when it comes to you because you are limited by nothing. With you, all things are possible. So, Lord, I'm depending on you today and ask that you would just uh, speak through me, Lord, and just take these words that you've laid upon my heart so heavily. And, Lord, may you just captivate the hearts of your children today. Lord, make it real, make it personal, I pray. And, Father, we just commit this time, fellowship, Lord, into your hands. Forgive us of anything that might hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. We place it now under the blood because we believe that blood is still real, still powerful. And Lord Jesus, we ask in your name that you would just, Lord, just come and quicken that word to our hearts now. Father, we pray that you will uh, minister to those who are sick and those that need your touch, Lord. We thank you for your mercies to us today. And we thank you, Brother Ben, Lord, and we just hold him up before you today. And Brother Smith, so many other needs, Lord. And we pray now that your grace would be sufficient. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. You may be seated this morning. And uh, uh, thank you, musicians. It'll be just great uh, this morning. Now, uh, I don't have my uh, clicker, and I don't know where it is. I don't see it up here at all. Uh, so if anybody knows where that is. Now would be a great time for you to come forward and be honest and confess that you stole it. Um, we welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to have all of you here today. Great to have the Torres family here today. God bless you. Great to see you uh, today. And all of you are guests and visitors. And uh, Brother Johnny, is this your father who's with us today? God bless you, uh, sir. Great to have you with us here today. 80, how 90? 98 years old. God bless you, sir. Good to have you with us today. And uh, for each and every one of you, uh, may the Lord bless you, Paul and Emily. Always good to have you here. Ah, Aiken. All right, thank you. Nope, but Jeremy always comes through, so we appreciate that. Uh, let, me, um, let me just say at the outset, get this over with. Uh, common sense would tell you that uh, today would have been a good day to get somebody else to preach. And uh, I would have done that. But uh, this was just laid on my heart so heavily that I, I thought I would take the service today. And uh, I appreciate everybody's concern over my hands. I can't use it uh, very much at all. Uh, try tying your shoes with one hand. And, uh, but uh, it, it's, it's been uh, probably today, it feels better than, than any other day. Uh, since Thursday, and uh, I appreciate everybody's prayers and concern. Um, so I'll, I, I haven't, I, I'm not able to write, so I don't have any uh, notes at all, just what we have on the PowerPoint, and I had to do all of that with my left hand. Uh, so it's been really slow going, but it gave me an opportunity to just kind of carefully go through all of this. So just bear with me this morning, and uh, I believe that there is perfect strength and perfect weakness. And so I'm trusting in that this morning. And um, trust that the Lord will speak to your heart today. This is going to be a little bit different. Uh, you're going to see things that you ordinarily don't see in a sermon. So uh, I want you just to bear with me here and hang on. Hang on to your seats and uh, we're going to uh, deal with something 
that I've never dealt with before specifically. And sometimes you make assumptions that people know everything they need to know about a subject like this. And uh, then you come to find out that it's, it hasn't been mentioned. So today we're going to deal uh, with this uh, subject here. And I title this, uh, The Low Life, Overcoming Satan's Eden. Now, uh, just a couple of quick announcements here. Uh, today is Anthony Clayville's birthday, right? Stand up and tell us how old you are. Eight years old. God bless you, my brother. Appreciate Anthony. Sarah Vasaki has a birthday tomorrow, right? Sister Sarah, do you want to stand up? No, you don't need to do that. God bless you, Sarah. We appreciate you very much. August 18th is Ella Kate's, Ella Kate Jackson's birthday outside. And uh, August 18th is Keith and Sarah's uh, anniversary. And uh, Brother Keith made an appearance yesterday, and uh, it's just been very difficult for him uh, having oral surgery, so uh, we want to remember him in prayer. But we wish Keith and Sarah all the very best uh, on their anniversary on the 18th. Here's our mixed-up timeline as well, and uh, one new addition here, and tentatively... Uh, we've got October 28th on here for the Fall Fellowship. So that's not confirmed, but we're, we're doing one of two weekends there in the end of October. Uh, but I, I, we, we will need to uh, nail that down, but it'll be one of those two weekends there. Father-Son uh, camp out, the men's camp out will be uh, September 27th to the 30th. And uh, then, of course, on Labor Day. And Brother Paul, and then we're going to have the picnic on uh, noon on Monday for Labor Day. Next weekend's Brother Trevor Eamon. We're going to have three services, and uh, everyone is invited to every service, okay? And it'll be Saturday night at 6, and then uh, two services on Sunday, and we'll have a little gathering, a little snack after the service on Sunday afternoon, Sunday, eve- Sunday evening after the 5 o'clock service. And so you want to make sure you invite friends and so forth. Uh, there's a, a number of different meetings that are happening in the last part of August. But uh, for those that would love to come, I know it'll be a, a blessing to you. When I bring in a minister like that, I bring him in for you. I don't bring him in for the world. I bring him in for you. And if anybody else wants to come, great. That's a bonus. But I bring him in so that we can all enjoy the benefit of having a ministry like this come in and, and speak to us. And uh, I know it'll be a blessing. I'm just expecting that. And, uh, or like on Labor Day with Brother Paul, uh, that's, that's uh, uh, always a special treat when Brother Paul comes. He comes less these days because he's so busy and his church is growing. And uh, it's just an honor to be able to have him uh, to come and join us. So uh, we want you to remember these, uh, these dates. All right, now I'm going to ask you to stand if you don't mind, and we're going to go to Genesis chapter uh, 13, and we're going to read a little passage here just to get ourselves uh, in the start mode. Now I'm going to ask you to stay real focused here on this subject, especially at the beginning, and we'll, we'll make this plain enough here soon. Low life is a derogatory term. It's it's not a good one. And uh, I would never use it in the pulpit except Brother Branham did. And so let's look at where he uses it. Before we read, I'd like to say it's a real honor and privilege to have Brother Tom with us this morning. And 
it's kind of like we're complete when Brother Tom's here, and uh, appreciate him being with us. I communicated with Brother Ben this morning before it came out, and he's just still not feeling well, so we want to remember him this morning as well. Genesis chapter 13, very familiar story. This is Abraham, Abram coming out of the land of Ur. And in verse 1 it says, And Abram went up out of, all, out of Egypt, he, his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. Now, Lot came along, but Lot was not really meant to remain, right? We know that. Turn me up just a hair, Lucas, if you will. Drop down to verse 5. And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate yourself, I pray thee. And this is the first place that separation is spoken about in the scripture. Separation is a key theme here this morning. He says, I pray thee from me, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Drop down to verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place whither thou art, where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. We ask God to bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. We've talked a little bit about this subject of... Uh, Nehemiah and the opposition that Nehemiah had from detractors, people that were uh, contrary to Nehemiah. And we have looked at some of the uh, principles related to that in Nehemiah chapter 4. So for those of you that have not been with us or following along, you, you would do well to read Nehemiah chapter 4, and that's kind of where we've been. And they were mocking uh, the Jews. They were mocking Nehemiah and Ezra and the, and the builders, and they were saying, are, are you, you, you actually think you're going to revive the stones? You think you're going to uh, construct this wall and do it? And they, they mocked them. They ridiculed them. They tried to hinder them in every way they possibly can because Satan's job is always to hinder the fulfillment or the manifestation of the Word of God. That's Satan's job. That's what Satan loves to do. And he'll do that, he'll do that in your life in every way possible, especially when you give him an opening. He will try to hinder the fulfilling of the word of God in your life. That's his, that's his full-time capacity. And we had to be aware of that. We had to be aware of the traps that are set against God's people. And so in looking at that, we, we found a couple of key statements here. And uh, one that we want to come to in just a moment. Questions and answers. Brother Branham says, and I've read this, that's why I got the top part grade out here. He said, how much greater is their reward who had never seen yet believe? And he's talking about Thomas who doubted whether Jesus had resurrected. But he said, he's a good God. And that's the death stroke to Satan. When a man takes God at his word, that'll kill Satan every time. Hold on to that phrase. When a man takes God at his word, that, that'll kill Satan every time. I'm all for this, uh, for this killing of Satan. I'm all for this destruction of the enemy of God's people. He said that's the hardest hit that Satan can get when a man can take God at his word. That's the hardest hit you can deliver. 
when you can get a man to take God at his word. Now hold on to that because I want you to take the word this morning and apply it uh, in your life. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 4, this is where we find the, uh, you know, the, the part that we've been reading about and how that uh, Nehemiah encouraged the people, stand on the wall, hold your sword, hold your tool in one hand, your sword in the other hand. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to do that today. But uh, Nehemiah encouraged them. He said, I, I'm going to spread you out along the wall. I'm going to put watchers along the wall uh, that'll help uh, you know, to warn you when en- the enemy is coming. And uh, we're going to move the rubbish out of the way, as we talked about uh, in verse, uh, verse 2 here. He says, will they, re- will they revive the stones out of the rubbish which are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite was with him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he said they'll break down their stone wall. And they were continually mocking the people of God just for believing the word for their day. And that's what Satan's job is. And so this is not a foreign concept. This is a concept that's illustrated in Nehemiah, but played out in every age and certainly in our age, right? Because we have an enemy of the people of God. And so we find Brother Branham then, he says, now God's equipping his army, being infinite. He knew the best armor there was. He gave his army his word. He gave his army his word. That's the best defense ever. And when you get out from behind that, you're vulnerable to the strike of the enemy. It is a dangerous place to be as outside of that word or outside the, uh, the umbrella of the protection of God's word. And the problem is that our emotions very often will pull us out from that. It'll pull us out from the safety net that God's created for us outside the boundary that God's clearly established. And it's easy for you emotionally to get pulled out. We're pulled out by boys. We're pulled out by girls. We're pulled out by, uh, you know, a desire to be popular or beautiful. We're, desire, we're pulled out by a, de- a desire to be, uh, excel uh, over somebody else. You know, we're, we're, I want to be better than my brothers. I want to be better than my friends. And I want to excel. Uh, I want to fit in. And I wanna, I'll do whatever it takes in order to do that. And so we we had to be very careful that uh, we don't get outside the the boundary of the word. Hey, I realize this is all elementary. For most of you, this is a repeat. That's why I'm going fast. He said, we're not fortified behind denominations or groups. The devil knew that. He's trying to find a way into that wall. Satan's constantly trying to find a way past your defenses. But you know, he said what he got to eve at was on reasonings. And where that occurred was right here. And where Satan got him was out of here, out of his mouth. And that's the way Satan operates very cleverly. And the Bible said we should cast down reasonings. He said, you'll say, isn't it reasonable, Brother Brown, that the church is in a better state today than it was at Azusa Street? Can I modernize that for a minute and say, you know, there's people that will say, well, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. I'll just take my big gulper and I'll lean back in my chair and, uh, you know, I'll stay home because now we have streaming. And isn't the church better off now that we have streaming and I don't have to go to church anymore? I can go to the ball game or I can do something else and just stream it later. Isn't the church better off because we have that? No. You got to be always careful about why we're doing the things that we're doing. And Brother Bram said, no, he said back in the, back in that day, he said, uh, they, he says, uh, you know, they, they had a, a simplicity and they had a, a raw kind of a setting where they just showed up and they believed that God would meet with them. He said, no, sir, they got away from the word, the church today, they got away from the word, from their shield and their protection. And when you get away from your shield, then you are vulnerable to the strike of the enemy, Right. Now, again now, uh, bear with me as I just recover this. Now, Nehemiah's thrust for the people was that they would get ready to fight. This wasn't a passive thing with Nehemiah. It wasn't a, 
uh, wasn't a, just a compliant thing. I'm going to put my feet up. And you know what? If I'm predestinated, I'll win. Uh, if, I'm, uh, if I'm predestinated, you know what? Uh, nothing's going to take me down. I'm, I'm going to make it anyway so I can live any way I want to or be pulled along in the tide, in the current of the uh, modern times that we live in. Nehemiah is not saying that. Nehemiah is saying that, hey, God's commissioned us. God's given us a mandate, if you like. We need to fight for every inch of ground we have. We need to get ready to, to, to engage in the battle that, that is set before us. Because if we give in here, we'll give in there. And then we give in a little bit more. And, and, and we had to be ready to lift up our sword and, and, uh, and to take that uh, sword to the heart of the enemy because uh, the enemy surrounds us and, and there's a constant antagonism that's there. And, and so let's, let's be ready to fight. And this is what he's saying. But in verse 14, it's, it's a really key verse. He said, I looked and I rose up and said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, I said to everybody, this is my message. Be not afraid of them, but remember the Lord. He is great and terrible. So it's not like it's just you against them and your strength against theirs and your tactics to outwit the enemy. It's not that. Remember the Lord. He's watching over you and he's the one that sent us here and he's the one that uh, arranged all of this and he's the one that uh, you know, has got the victory already in mind. So, so don't get your eyes on them. Get your eyes on God. Get your eyes on, on, on our greatest source of strength. How many can say amen? Well, that principle hasn't changed at all, right? When you get looking at the news today, you can get really distracted. And when you can get a look at, uh, you know, circumstances around our, our world today, you can get really distracted. But that's not what we should have our eyes on. We should have our eyes on God and say, you know what? We, there, we have a complacency or an indifference to the things of the world and the priorities of the world. We have our eyes on God. Clearly, we have our eyes on God. And we're looking to him and we're looking at him. And we're looking for him because he's our strength in the time of need. How many can say amen? And, and it came to pass, he said, when our enemies heard that, they just got madder. They just got more wroth uh, when, when all of this is going on. Everybody still with me? Say amen. All right, now, here's Brother Branham. He says, now, go up to Jerusalem. And he's in Saskatoon in Saskatchewan. He says, go up to Jerusalem. You'll be witnesses of me in both Jerusalem, Judea, and Saskatoon and the uttermost. And he told us to dash into sickness and sin, and these signs shall follow them that believe. He told us, he said, hey, you, got a, you got a problem ahead of you? Go, go for it. Dash right into it. Take your sword and go for it. I should have brought a sword today. He said, it's time that we picked up our enemy, our, our, sorry, our weapon, that our hero of God's love, that's the Holy Spirit, left us. And dash out yonder and fight against ignorance and superstition, and formality, and break down the walls of the enemy, and display real gallant love. Real gallant love doesn't just roll over. Here's Nehemiah telling the people, and here's Brother Branham telling the people in Saskatoon. He said, it's real gallant love when you take your sword and pierce it to the heart of your enemy to break down superstition and formality and break down the walls of the enemy. And he said, where devils are routed and the blind see and the deaf hear. That's real gallant love uh, when, when uh, uh, we, we go on the offensive against the enemy that's there. You know why? Because if we don't, the enemy is already on the offensive and they're going to do what they can to take you down. But we're going we're to position ourselves on the offensive, not fighting, for, uh, not fighting from a position of uh, hoping that we'll win, but we are fighting from a position of victory already. How many know that? 
We're not, we're not, we're not fighting from a position of uh, whether we, we, we plan to win or hoping to win, but we are fighting from a position of victory. That's how we go in the battle. We know the battle's already won. We know that Satan is a loser, and we know that he doesn't even own the keys to his own house. We know that uh, we are more than able through Christ who conquered, already conquered for us, and we're already winners, and we're already victors, and we're already overcomers, and that's how we go in the battle. We've already got the outcome in our hand before we even get across the front line. Wow, that's a way to fight. But that begs a question. It's time that we picked up our weapon. That's the same quote I just quoted you there. It begs a question. How do we do it? How do we pick up our, our weapon and destroy the enemy? What does that look like? What does that feel like? That's the question that I have this morning. And that's one I'd like to answer in one specific way. In other words, we're going to deal with one specific problem. All right? Because we've got to know this. I mean, if Brother Bram said it's time we picked up our weapon and we dashed out yonder on the front lines and started flailing away, well, we've got to know what to fight. Want to go forward? Let me ask you this. How many believe that God sent a prophet in this last day? Amen. Here's something you got to know before we get too far into this. God makes no mistakes. <clears throat> Bear with me and say it after me. He makes no mistakes. That meant you say it. Okay, ready? He makes no mistakes. He wouldn't bring you in if you wasn't worthy. He wouldn't mess with you if he didn't love you. He knows your heart. He knows what you are. There's traps all along the road. The devil will cause you to stumble and say, well, I didn't mean to do that. God, you know it. He said, you're still perfect because there's a Perfect blood offered for you every day and a bleeding sacrifice hanging before the throne of Almighty God. Wow. Everybody got it? Ah, I'm going to read it again. There's traps all along the road and the devil will cause you to stumble and say, I didn't mean to do that, God. You know that. You're still perfect. Not because you attend this church, and not because you got a new Bible, not because you got a handful of dirt from Brother Bram's grave. You're still perfect because there's a perfect blood offered for you, and that blood is effective every day, and a bleeding sacrifice hanging before the throne of Almighty God. Do you believe that? You're going to, I want you to hold on to that, all right? Because all of us are susceptible to temptations, as Brother Bram said. All of us are susceptible to the traps that, that Satan lays along the road. And don't think you're not, but every one of us are susceptible to wrong thinking. And, and what Brother Bram's assuring us of is what Christ died to assure us of, and that is that the blood of Jesus Christ is still powerful, as powerful today as it ever was when it was shed. And in the eyes of God, he only sees brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, here's an interesting topic that we have not talked about, I have not talked about very much, uh, and never mentioned it formally, but I need you to follow me here, because we want to look at, uh, <clears throat> we want to look at a principle, 
And um, I, I've, I've chosen, the, because I had to go so slow, uh, and it's even hard to preach because I don't have both hands. I even had somebody volunteer today to be my right hand and wave it and, you know, uh, like do all kinds of motions with, behind me with their right hand so that I could look like I'm preaching normally. But it's really hard to preach just with the left. So if I slow down and teach this a little bit, that'll be why. But I chose these quotes very carefully. And so now I want you to, to, to walk with me through this. Brother Bram's talking about his upbringing. And, and he's, remember now, he's a 20th century prophet. He's speaking 66 years ago to an America that was changing, changing radically. And, and losing its moorings, losing its moral boundaries, like forgetting where they are. And politically, everything's changing. This is the era of Jackie Kennedy. This is the era of Pentecostal women becoming worldly. This is uh, the, the era where uh, people are driving around in Volkswagen buses with peace signs on them and doing sit-ins in the, in the president of the university's office. Uh, this is the time when they're putting flowers down the guns of people who are National Guard members and opposing the Vietnam War and all the other uproar that's going on in America and this kind of uh, disregard for authority and respect and boundaries and all of that, all right? So here's what Brother Bram says. Now, my daddy used to take me out behind the house, and he describes what his daddy did out behind the house, okay? And he said it was some good old-fashioned child training. And he said, it's too bad our children don't get it today. Now, I'm not talking about you here, okay? He's talking in general about our nation and where we're moving. He's countering Dr. Spock. I said he's countering Dr. Spock who had come out with a really, really, you know, uh, controversial way of raising children, disciplining children, and so forth, a, a psychology that did not fit with Scripture. And Brother Ram's countering that. And he said, now, it's too bad our children don't get that today because the trouble of it is you, well, <laughs> it's quite a statement, you cigarette-smoking, cocktail-drinking, picture-show-running mothers running around on barflies. A barfly is somebody who attends a bar too much. That's what a barfly is. Let me do it again. The trouble of it is you cigarette-smoking, cocktail-drinking, picture-show-running mothers run around on barflies and letting a babysitter take care of your kids instead of being home taking care of them like God told you to do. That's what caused all this stuff to get in. What a sentence. <laughs> what a sentence. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at the nation, but he's looking at the source of the problem too, Right? It's not a young people's sermon. He's talking to mothers and fathers here. He's talking to parents. Because now all of a sudden there are things available that were not available in previous years. And, uh, you know, people have just kind of gone wholesale and taken after all of that. And he says, and how can you associate with the things of the world and try to associate with Christ? I mean, how can, how can you live in a worldly way and live in a Christian way at the same time? That's what he's asking. How can you do that? He said, God calls for separation. Now, separation is an interesting word, and we don't often talk about separation much. You know why? Because we're all so integrated today. We're very integrated in the cosmos today, right? We're, we're a part of, of all, a lot of the things that go on today, and, and uh, we're, we're able to participate in lots of things today. And uh, I, I kind of think, I, I think that it might be nice for us to remind ourselves about what separation really looks like. Because this is not something that's talked about. And I sense a little wave of nervousness even going through the, 
uh, assembly here because you're kind of saying, well, are you going to talk about things that we need to separate from that we do on a regular basis? I don't know. I'm not here to ruin your day. I am here to give you the full counsel of God, though. Love me or hate me, I'm, I have to give you the full counsel of God because that's, that's my job description. That's my only job description is to give you the full counsel of God. You know why? Because I want to see you make it. And I want to see you help your kids make it. And I want to see you help you establish an atmosphere in your house where the Holy Spirit's always welcome. Because that's when things happen is when the Holy Spirit shows up. Now, so Brother Bram's saying that you can live in such a way that you can grieve the Holy Spirit because you can't do both. You can't live in the world and live for Christ uh, at the same time. So therefore, there has to be some sort of separation. Right? It has to be some sort of separation. If you have a phone, you have access to both worlds. Come on. If you have a phone, you have access to the worlds that exist today. The spiritual world of the message. And, uh, you know, you can have the Bible and the message. You have all of it in sermons. You can tune into uh, Johnson City and you can tune, tune into, uh, you know, uh, Brother Jason Watkins or whatever else. You, you have access to everything that goes on. If you, don't, if you don't make a camp meeting, you can be right there. And you can tap into that world. But you can also tap into another world that's out there, right? You have it at your fingertips, and it's just a couple of clicks, and you know how to get there, and uh, you know how to erase your tracks out of all of that. And uh, You know, if, if the app doesn't work today, there's a new one tomorrow. We're very good at it. And, and, and technically, technically, separation is hard when you have the technologies that are provided today. Now I say, here we go, are you going to preach against Facebook? No, no. I haven't even mentioned it. You mentioned it in your mind. <laughs> Technically, isn't it a little harder to be separated today? Isn't? Come on. Because you can, you can tune into any sports event, any, any, anything that's going on, anything that's being streamed, anything that's got a website, anything that uh, somebody posts or reposts. You, you can tune into anything that goes on today. And it's a little blurrier to be separated than it used to be. There are things you can do to grieve the presence of God from your life. And when you do that, it doesn't mean you're lost, but when you do that, you don't have the victories you should have. Let's take your Bible. I love my new Bible because it has strings in it and I, I can get to there with one hand. Second Kings chapter 8. Now this is a great story. And I want to take it just for the illustration. And after we read this, I want to read you a little quote. Because <clears throat> Brother Branham says something about this chapter. This is Elisha. And this is Elisha after he, re after, um, he reproves uh, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram. Those are the two kings of the divided nation of Israel. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. Say amen when you get it. And verse 10, we're starting there. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord uh, hath called thee, these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Again, the nation of Israel is under attack. Okay, Elisha is the prophet of the day. And Jehoram and Jehoshaphat are the two kings. Elisha has nothing to do with Jehoram. As a matter of fact, he says in verse 13... Elisha said unto the king of Israel, which is Jehoram, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of thy mother. 
And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. In verse 14, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not even look at you, nor see thee. I wouldn't give you the time of day, buddy, except for Jehoshaphat here. But we're under attack. And the Moabites and these other kings have joined forces together and we're in a bind. Elisha already has an answer because he's already had a vision. And in verse 15, he tells him now what to do. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. 16, and he said, now, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. So that's what he does now. He, he, he's, he's sitting there and the music, the right kind of music brings the spirit of the Lord upon Elisha. And Elisha says, make the valley full of ditches. He said, I'm going to paraphrase. There's going to be no rainstorm. There's going to be no sound of thunder. And there's going to be no wind at all. But do what I tell you and go make ditches in the valley. And when you do that, he said, God's going to the, fill the valley with the abundance of rain. Rain types of spirit. And he says that when God does this, he says, you'll pursue your enemy, the Moabites. And he says, you'll stop up their wells. And you will kill all of these soldiers. And you will throw stones in their field. Now, when you throw stones in the field in that part of the world, you can't plow. And, and you, you disrupt the cycle of growing and all of that. You know, so Elisha says, you're going to have complete victory over this if you do what I tell you. And, and so therefore, you want to just get out there. Your job now is just to get out there and dig ditches. Okay? And so the people get out and they start to dig ditches. Just canals through the, des through the desert and in the valley. And they do that. And, I mean, it doesn't make sense and it isn't pleasant work, but nonetheless, this is what they do. And in verse 20, and it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered, that behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Wow. I, I mean, it happened, just like God said, just like God's prophet says. Now, if you read on the next passage there, the Bible says that the people of uh, Moab got up that morning and they looked out and the sun reflected off all that water in the valley and to them it looked red. All of the, all of the water was reflecting red to the, uh, to the Moabites. And they said, hey, hey, they're all dead. Their blood is flowing in the ground over there. They're all dead. Let's go. And they rallied the troops and off they went and came down into the valley. When they found out it was not blood, it was really water, it was just the hand of God. And as a result of that, the Israelites who were waiting for them rose up and killed them all. Chased the remnant back to Moab, blocked up their wells with stones, and threw rocks in their fields. And, uh, I mean, just won the victory just like, uh, just like Elisha had said. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense. But they did it anyway, and God gave them the victory because God was in the instruction and the vision in the first place, right? So God, you have God, you have the prophet, you have, you have the instructions, and you have the obedience to that, and, and you know they got the victory. And it's simple as that. 
I mean, it really gets bad for Moab because if you go down to the end of the chapter, it describes how the king of Moab was so desperate, he took his heir, his rightful heir, his son, and offered him on an altar to try to win the battle. He says, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, he was really angry and upset and takes his heir, his only heir, and offers him on the altar, kills him in order to try to win the battle. But you know what? God had already said through Elisha. And the only instruction to the people was, make the valley full of ditches. Now let's look at what Brother Branham says that. Same spirit on Elijah. Same spirit on Elisha. Same spirit on Brother Branham. Do you believe that? Watch what he says. I got four screens. That minstrel began to play. Imagine a good old song. He said there's going to be a meeting in the air or something like that. And I tell you, when we get all the formal shackles shook down, the Spirit of God in the songs again and get back to a place where we can have the Spirit of God moving in the place, then the prophet can see a vision and then the powers of God can come where? On the church. Watch what he's saying now. Now, I'm not talking at all about our music, and I don't want you to get any funny feelings here. I'm not talking about yesterday. Because yesterday the choir had a practice here. I think that's great. The only problem I have with it is that I was not invited. But here's what Brother Bram's telling us. When the Spirit of God is in the worship, watch now what he's saying. When the Spirit of God's in the worship, you watch. He said, then the Spirit of God can move on the prophet. Then the power of God can come on the church. How many of you would want to have, let's say, a greater anointing or maybe more faith that when somebody comes up for prayer and we pray for them? How many would, would want to have that? Would want to see that? Not that it would make us great, but you know what? People would be healed. People would be made well. That'd be a great thing. Watch now. Then they can see divine healing and the resurrection of Christ. And if you can't be the prophet, be part of the minstrels. Do something to spirit, bring the spirit of the Lord down. Whatever you can do, because the presence of the God, presence of God is what matters. The presence of God is what's needed most. Right? And when the prophet and the people got in harmony with God, the prophet began to see things. When the prophet and the people got in harmony with God, and it isn't good enough for us just to just listen to Brother Branham and how he did it, we've also got to get in harmony with God. When the prophet and the people get in harmony with God, I said when the prophet and the people get in harmony with God, and you watch, you're going to see things happen. Remember now, we're asking the question, how do we get in harmony with God? How do we apply the sword to the heart of our enemy? How do we, how do we make this happen here? And he said, now, you go over there, and he said, uh, this Elisha, he said, you're not going to hear any wind, you're not going to see any rain. He said, I done saw a vision, but there's going to be water come. Now, I want you to go right down and dig trenches all around, right in the hot, burning desert uh, in Arizona where there wasn't a bit of water. Sorry, but that's what it is. But as long as the Word of God said, as long as the Word of God said it, start digging. That's why they're doing this, because, you know what, because the Word of God says. Does it make sense? No. Is it a nice job? No. But we're going to dig. You know why? Because God said so. We believe that's a channel that, that's, that's connected right to God. Come on. In our day, if a prophet, 
If a prophet showed up and spoke to us and said something, you know what? It may not be agreeable to you. It may not be modern, but it still comes from God. You got to deal with that. Dig anyhow. God said so. Oh my, we hit a snag. Throw the snag out. You got a neighbor who lives next door to you and tells you there's no such thing as divine healing. Keep digging. Yeah, you don't feel like it. Keep digging. You don't feel like going on. Keep digging. Uh, you know, uh, 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 nobody else is digging. Keep digging. Remember, brother, the deeper you dig, the more water you're going to get. And we don't want nothing shallow. We want all God's got for us, everything, the power of his resurrection. We'll just keep digging. How many are with me? We just keep digging. Because we don't want to have a shallow experience here that, that all of a sudden people are blown away when the first controversy comes. We don't want to have people that are blown away when, uh, you know, the, the coach schedules a game on Sunday. Oh, I got to go or I can't play. Hey, we should be deeper than that. We should be saying, you know what, uh, all the other churches are doing that. Hey, we should be deeper than that. Let's go back and find out what the word says. And I gave you tools on the last two Wednesday nights. We have got, we've, we should have a deeper experience than that. And, and the church says, all right, we're going to start closing doors here. Hey, our experience is deeper than that. Already seen that. Already know it's coming. Hey, we're going to keep digging. We're going to keep going. Because the more you dig, the more water comes. The more the presence of God is poured out. I want all that God has for us. I want all that God has for HBT and nothing less. I want to dig into the deeper mysteries of God and expound on the mysteries of God. I want to do that because I believe in all my heart of hearts, rapturing faith lays in that and that's our passage home. Our passage home is not my ability to draw a crowd and my passage home is not to be charismatic and everybody's buddy. My job is to preach the, the, the truth of God's word because in it somehow supernaturally God embedded rapturing faith and that's your ticket home. And I want you to make it. I want my wife and I first to make it and then I want all of you to make it. And Brother Bram says, we don't want anything shallow. And we don't want anything to hinder the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that rock that was smote in the wilderness is still out here. Hallelujah. I'll tell you that rock that lays here tonight, just start digging and see if the trenches don't fill up and get all the world out of the way. You hit something of the world, get it out of the way. You hit a website that doesn't believe in Brother Bram, get it out of the way. Just keep digging. Just keep going. Are there going to be snags? Yes. Are there going to be things in the way? Yes. What does he mean when he says, get the world out of the way? What is he referring to? This is not the full screen. I cut it off because I want you to think about what you would put in there next. When he says, get all the world out of the way. Ready? He says, get them old picture shows and hoedowns and things you've been tending to. And all those other things, throw it out. And let the waters come in. You hit those old picture shows? Oh, we got to go see all the latest ones here first. We have to go see the Academy-nominated ones first. We have to go see the one that everybody's saying we should go see. No. 
According to what I get from this quote, we're supposed to get that stuff out of the way. Now, you can get as quiet as you want. But can I hang around here for a few minutes? Those, those hoedowns, those entertainments like that, he says, and all those other things, throw it out. Let the waters come in. Give God first place. Those are four powerful words. Get those things straightened out. The waters can come down from the way of Eden. You want to have the presence of God. You want to have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want to stop struggling and wondering whether you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You get all this world out of the way. Keep digging. You watch God pour that spirit into your life. I said there's a lot of people who are young people who go to camp after camp after camp and they're still wondering and you know, trying to figure out if they got the Holy Ghost or not. <clears throat> and you know the problem is they're, they're, they're wading knee deep in the things of the world and they haven't stopped to <laughs> get them out of the way. And you hang around with the things of the world. I read it to you in the beginning here. You can't have the things of the world and the things of Christ. How can you have both of them? There comes a separation. You've got, you know what? You've got to get down with your shovel and you've got to dig that, that thing out of the way. Because you know what? The pastor's not going to come and dig that out of the way. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's not going to appear to you and, and move all the obstacles out of the way. You need to move them out of the way. I don't know what, I don't know what this, this, uh, this, this is interesting. How many of you people live in Charlotte or the confines of Charlotte? Brother Branham, he had some interesting experiences in Charlotte in this, this particular meeting. And, and he's there at this church and he says, now tonight here in the church, I have just learned this day by one of the brethren that's with me. He said, the brother here has just opened up this revival center. And I'm trusting that God will bless this old theater where it used to be the devil's church. And now it's turned into God's church. Just saying. Just saying what the tapes are saying. You know, it's interesting <clears throat> that, uh, I don't know what it is about Charlotte, but I, 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 for some strange reason, I kind of like Charlotte. And, uh, but yet, you know, there's, there's uh, in, in the... <clears throat> In April 2016, Bruce Springsteen made a public stir by announcing he was not going to come to Charlotte or Raleigh and cancel the tour for North Carolina because the governor was debating over House Bill 2. And House Bill 2, and sorry for saying this, was the law that said in a public restroom, you got to go into the restroom of the gender you were born with. Despite your mixed up theology thinking that you're not what you were, in the eyes of the government of North Carolina, you are what you are. And so if you don't mind, stick to your own restroom. What a horrible thing to have to say in the pulpit. <clears throat> but Bruce Springsteen, and I have six pages of names of uh, Fortune 500 companies who we all deal with. We all deal with. Everyone from Starbucks to Apple to every other common household name, they all wrote a letter. And there were six pages of those executives signed their name for their corporations 
Everyone basically that you work for was on the list, bar none. From airlines to computer companies to, uh, hey, everyone was on there saying, shame on North Carolina. Shame on North Carolina. And we're, we're opposed to people, uh, the people who want to hold us back. We want to have freedom and we want to have rights, and, which is Laodicea, right? The age of people's rights. And Brother Bram says, great, he said, to see somebody take over an old theater and use it now for God's church instead of the devil's church. Because that's how he viewed it. I said, that's how he viewed theaters. But, same quote, but one of the greatest disgraces, and he said, even from the FBI, their files, proves that America started her decline by moving pictures. When we cross into the era of moving pictures, he said, the FBI even documented the decline of America. That's where it began. Exactly right. Uncensored stuff that they put before young girls. Now, the devil put it in every home through television. Now, the devil put it in every home through television. And the television's a fine thing if it's used right. Wow. And so is a picture. The picture's a fine thing if it's used right. But uncensored programs and things like that, it's disgraceful for. Absolutely puts the wrong thing before the American people. And we realize now we're on the decline. Hold it. That's 1956. We realize we're on the decline. And he says, and now we're, uh, as far as I can see, every great nation has to fall. Remember Rap Crook was here talking about Babylon, and he said, this is the, one of the most popular web pages in the world, and he said, it's completely neutral. There is nothing sinful, pornographic, temptation, not, there's nothing there. It's what you put into it that makes a difference, right? It's what you go search for. So when Brother Branham, you know, he says that the television as a medium is, is, is fine, but he said, now you look at, Somehow or another, somebody's taken over and putting stuff on there that is not edifying because look what it's putting before our young girls, our young boys. And, and, and in a sense, technology uh, you know, it exists in the same way that uh, it, it, can, it can be neutral or it can be used for good. It can be used for good. But David said in Psalm 101, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. That word wicked there means unprofitable. It means filthy. I'll set no wicked thing before my eye. And I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. I typed in, <laughs> it's interesting, I went to Google and I typed in about the atmosphere of movie theaters, bad atmosphere of movie theaters, and there was nothing there. Can you imagine doing a Google search today and there's nothing there? Because in the eyes of Google, there's nothing wrong with movie theaters. I'm typing in something that doesn't exist today. Can I go a little further? The ministry of Christ. Now, <clears throat> watch now. When they cross the Red Sea, and on the other side, so they're on the other side of the Red Sea, Moses looked back and saw all the taskmasters drowned. It's a type of us coming through the blood of Christ, 
cleansing to sanctifying power and set aside from sin. Looking back, when we come through the blood, everybody know where I am. Moses came through the Red Sea. They're on the other side. They're, in, they're on their way to the promised land. We come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, all of our Egypt is behind us. Everybody follow. Say amen. Our Egypt is behind us now. We don't need to go back into bondage anymore. We don't need to go back to Egypt's, uh, Pharaoh's world anymore. We don't need to go back to taskmasters anymore. We don't need to go back to addictions and pornography anymore. You know what? That's Egypt that's behind us. And he says, Moses glanced behind him and saw all of that stuff there. And he said, he said, now, looking back, and he saw all the smoking, drinking, card parties, picture shows, and all the low-life things. That's where I got it. All the low-life things of the world, dead in the blood of Christ. Wow, when Moses looked back and he saw in the sea there all those Egyptians there floating in the chariots, glug, 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 going down to the bottom of the sea there. It's all over. It's all done. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to submit ourselves to that anymore. It's gone. Glory to God, it's gone. We are free. We are free people now. And now it's just us and God and us and God going forward. And Brother Bram goes on to say, and I won't read all of it here today, but Brother Bram says, we, when they stood there on that shore, he said, they, they looked back and they had something behind them, something with them, and a promise going forward. That's what they had. I want to say this morning, I believe we're better than a low life. And I believe this, I don't believe that God wants you to live a low life. I don't believe that God wants you to become a low life. You're better than that. You're better than that because of the blood of Christ. You're better than that because you're predestinated. You're the children of God. You're the bride of Christ. And Moses raised up his hands, into my case, hand, and began to sing in the spirit. And Miriam picked up a tambourine, went up and down, beating the tambourine and dancing. And all the daughters of Israel followed her, singing and dancing. And he said, if that ain't an old-fashioned Holy Ghost camp meeting, i never seen one. Singing in the spirit, dancing in the spirit, amen. And everybody said, amen. amen. And then if you notice, bear with me. He couldn't get in here through the ministry. Satan. He was in Paris, in France. And he couldn't get in here through the ministry. So the thing he done was come in to Hollywood. And he set up his headquarters in Hollywood. And the devil landed. You know this quote. And the devil landed back there a few years ago, 15, 20 years ago, with his great army, moving pictures, and went into Hollywood, California. And he's invaded the United States with demon powers. Where did all those demons go of the 200,000 thousand? Where did they all go? Can I speak to you frankly for a few minutes? Where did all those demons go? We know where the headquarters of Satan is now, right? And you know what comes out of the headquarters? It isn't sermons. This is Schindler's List. This is a scene out of Schindler's List. I'm very familiar with Schindler. In Jerusalem, in the sacred old graveyard in Jerusalem, he's one of the only Gentiles buried in that graveyard. 
It's reserved for Jews. I have been on the avenue of the righteous in, in uh, <clears throat> Yad Vashem, which is the Jewish memorial to the Holocaust. And in Yad Vashem, they have a little avenue going into the main door, and it's called the Avenue of the Righteous. And they planted trees in honor of great people who assisted the Jews in, in the time of the Holocaust. The, Yad Vashem is all about the Holocaust. Corey Ten Boom has a tree there. Many other notable people have a tree there. But they were all Jews, except for Oscar Schindler. Schindler has a tree planted on the Avenue of the Righteous because of what he did. Schindler was no saint. He sent his wife to Buenos Aires during the time of the war to protect her and her family. And she had a farm, worked the farm by herself. Until the war was over and Schindler escaped Europe and went there. And when he went there, he started carousing with women and then eventually came back to Europe and lived there until he died in 1957. They still honor him because of what he did. Because he did an extraordinary thing. I have been in Schindler's factory and I saw the actual list called Schindler's List with a thousand and one names on it. I saw the pots and pans and the bullet shells that they made. They still have them right there. I sat at his desk. I, you know, I, I'm very familiar with this, with this character, Oscar Schindler. And this is a scene from his movie. It's made by a Jew. And I can tell you that the atmosphere in this movie <clears throat> is so desolate. I mean, it's so negative. It's hopeless because they, they, they extract the people out of the Warsaw Ghetto and, and what they went through. And, and, it, and it describes the futility of, their, of the, the captivity and the lives. I mean, it was, it was just amazing. And, and this movie is a, a very accurate description of what they actually went through. Historians say and Jews say that it is. You say, is this a sermon on movies? No, but I need you to watch something. All movies have an atmosphere. They all have an atmosphere. I went to a site where they teach young techies how to do this, how to create an atmosphere, how to use the elements of sound, tone, and mood to create an atmosphere that goes with you and controls how you think about this film. I went to this website and I, I scavenged a couple of quotations here I'm going to give you from this educational website. So this is where they teach people how to do this. Don't go there. Don't do this at home. But this is what they say, all right? I'm going to read you what they say. Atmosphere is defined as the pervading mood of a person, place, or a work of art. It's the mastery of atmosphere in movies controls how a person feels while watching a movie. This is intentional. This is very intentional. And whether it be a creeping dread pulling down on the viewer or an exhilarating energy that makes the viewer feel like they can fly. 
This is one of the most important aspects of a movie and subconsciously enhances any experience by immersing its audience in the world and the story of the movie. So when a movie maker makes a movie, it's crafted to draw you in and give you a certain feeling about the characters or the, the plot or the, you know, the theme of that movie. That, that's what it's all about. It's not a passive thing. We're just going to tell a story. There's, a, there's an intention here trying to get you to feel a certain way, think a certain way. And then they describe this thing called tone and mood. Now, I'm not going to go into all the science of it because it's completely unnecessary. But you need to know this part. Tone describes the atmosphere or the emotional landscape for the characters in the movie. Mood describes how the audience feels about the movie. So they're actually shaping how you feel coming out of the theater. When I was in the world, I went and saw a scary movie. And when I was in the world, somebody say amen. You got it. When I was in the world, I went to see a scary movie. And I will tell you what, it scared the gizzard out of me. I was just a young fella. My aunt took me. And uh, my brothers and so forth, we went to this movie. It scared the gizzard out of me. I mean, I just, it was just amazing. And I was, uh, that, that movie was crafted to give you a certain feeling when you left. And I will tell you, I had it. I had it in abundance when I left. How I feel about that movie is as real today as what it was when I walked out on the street. And when I walked out on the street, I told my aunt, let's get to the car right away. Because uh, we don't know what could happen out here. I mean, it was really scary. If I told you the name of the show, you'd all recognize it. The atmosphere of a, of a film is a key element in the audience experience. So, for example, in a war film... Despite the scenes of violence and danger, it might be able to show the self-sacrifice and heroism in the times of war, like Saving Private Ryan. This kind of a, you know, the Marines, yes sir, yeah, we're going to do, do it. You didn't think I knew that. And on the other hand, in Dunkirk, which is another movie about war, and while there are moments of heroism and sacrifice, the overall tone of the movie is desolate. And it is. And, and you, get that, you get that feeling. You get that, you know, how, how, how senseless, in a sense, Dunkirk really was. And how terrible it was. We were there. And it, it, it's, it, this, is, this is not coincidental. It's not accidental. This is crafted. That's what I'm telling you. Watch. It's my last screen of this. The mood of a movie is how you feel when you're watching it, frightened at the edge of your seat or falling in love with the protagonist. The mood is created by specific choices a filmmaker utilizes in the film's production, such as color and lighting and so on. The mood is created by specific choices a filmmaker utilizes in the film's production. Last line. A filmmaker is trying to send you a message or convey an idea to you. I read that, I almost fell off my seat. A filmmaker is trying to send you a message. And they do it through the use of plot, along with camera, lighting, color, sound in theaters. Hold on now, piece it together. Brother Ram said they had movies in theaters, but Satan got one over and put it on their home on TV. He got another one over and put it on your phone. Why are people going back to theaters? 
Why are people going back to theaters when it's so clear through Brother Bram's message that that's the devil's church? You know why? Because you get a different atmosphere. You get a different feeling if you watch it here versus here. The big screen with the sound, the surround sound, and the big barrel of popcorn. Guess what that is? There's an atmosphere that's created. <laughs> There's an atmosphere that's created there, and the sound, and, the, and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the atmosphere that's in the, in the hall there, and looking at it. The filmmaker's trying to send you a message, and he's doing it with all these different uh, elements here so that it makes it so powerful and you go away with a certain thing that uh, the filmmaker wants to send you home with. He's, he's doing that intentionally because he wants you to be affected by that. He wants you to be thinking a certain way about that uh, when, you, when you leave the theater. I have news for you. I know someone else who sent us a message. And you know what God does? God sent us a message in this last day and he uses all the other things that go with that to make sure it has a, a maximum impact on you. He, he, he wanted us from, from all the beginning of time, he wanted us to come to church. And in church you have a certain kind of music and you have a certain kind of atmosphere, isn't that right? And you have a certain kind of ministry and you have a certain kind of, uh, you know, a way of singing and worship and you get into a certain kind of uh, attitude and a certain mood and a certain kind of, a, uh, you know, a feeling that you have. And God wants you to go out of here with a certain kind of a feeling and a certain kind of an understanding and a certain kind of a revelation. And God wants to send you a message very carefully and craft it all of that to make you react a certain way. And Satan is an impersonator and he's doing exactly the same thing. And he wants to draw people in to send a message to them and have them go away affected by that. Are you getting the point? That's crafted. This is crafted. This is the design of the Holy Spirit. This is the way uh, God told Brother Branham to hold the meetings and set it up and do it this way. And when the holy offering and when to sing and all of that, it's crafted specifically and intentionally. So that you get the maximum benefit of the message God's trying to send to you. Because you know what? You don't get this, you don't get this kind of atmosphere in school. And you don't get this kind of atmosphere in, in, at your workplace, do you? You don't have people standing and singing and, and worshiping God uh, when they begin the day in your, in your workplace. You don't have that. And, and you don't have, uh, you know, the kind of same atmosphere when you leave your work at the end of the day. You're saying, ah, oh, goodness, thank God that's over. And you actually, if you're a believer, you actually want to plug in something or listening to something that changes that atmosphere because that's a different atmosphere than this atmosphere. I thank God we have this place. I thank God we have other believers. I thank God we sing like we sing. I thank God we have the message of the hour. God intentionally set it up so that you would get the message and uses everything that he needs in order for you to get the max. I thank God for camps that are done right. I thank God for camps that create an atmosphere where there can be a surge, you know, and a, a blessing for young people and for uh, people who attend the camp. I thank God for family camps. I thank God for all of that 
Because you know what? It's, a, it's an intentional, on purpose way that God has chosen. Hey, listen, all of the, almost all of the great sermons that we have were Brother Branham in convention somewhere. And I thank God for the fact that God had a message and he wanted to convey it in a certain way. And there's a certain atmosphere and a certain energy. Come on. There's a certain energy there. And God is using all of that to get that to you. Well, don't you think that the devil is going to try to do the same thing, especially to our young people, and get into a, a, an atmosphere and, and have them look into things so that they want to become a sports hero and they want to become like a movie star and they want to dress this way and they want to dress that way. Brother Bram says, now we want to be transformed ourselves by the renewing of our mind, not what we have on this earth, not by what we're looking at here, but what we are going to look for, not what we're going to look for on this earth, but what we're coming to. We have, a, we, have a, we have stuff behind us, low life behind us. We have a God with us and we have a promise ahead of us. Oh, come on. Somebody ought to say a hearty amen. We have the world behind us. Now we stand clean in the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is with us, even in us. And we have a promise that lays ahead of us. Why should we go back to the low life? Why should we go back there? Brother Bam said, we're transformed by what we're looking into and what we're coming to in the world that is to come. That's how we're doing it. Even Hitler knew the power of moving pictures. And when it was all coming out in the 30s, Hitler started to realize, wow, we can really impact the people of Germany and the people of the world by giving an impression of the SS and uh, of, of Hitler and his great vision and all the other things there. And he used, he jumped on uh, uh, moving pictures as a propaganda tool because he knew, he knew, you can read it, he knew that would influence the people. He knew it would have a profound effect on the people. So you go in and say, well, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's only a harmless thing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> everybody's doing it. Watch what Brother Bram said. He said, I was talking to this woman and talking about dresses. And he said, uh, she said, that's the only way they make the clothes now. And I said, that's still good. They've still got goods and sewing machines. And you don't have to do that. He said, it's a spirit that gets on you through television and programs and newspapers and advertisements. That's the reason people smoke, as they think it makes them thin. Now listen, <clears throat> I'm not making light of this. Because uh, today, to go into a, a mall or a store and try to find decent, you know, acceptable women's clothing, that's a hard thing. And I know, I know that, that you women struggle uh, with, you know, trying to find things that are decent. And, uh, you know, they got all these skinny models and it's all revealing and split and everything else. Hey, I know it's a struggle. It's, it, that, that's real. And I'm not making light of that at all. But this woman is saying, is what Brother Bram's are countering with this woman is, well, that's what they offer, so that's what I have to be. And Brother Bram said, no, we're going to pull out our sword and we're going to fight that. You, you get what I'm saying? You've got to stand up here. You've got to go to Sister Sydney and say, hey, let's hold another sewing class for the young girls. You have nothing. We'll teach them how to sew up splits, slits. Or whatever else. But I'm saying that, you know, we can just roll over and say, well, we live in Laodicea. We're going to have to dress like Laodicea because that's all they offer in Laodicea. And that's the only kind of stores they have out there that offer dresses out there. And I say, pull out your sword. Let's pull out our swords and see what we can do. God can't require something and then not provide a way for that something to be fulfilled. God's defeating his purpose if he does that. A lot of times the problem is you're not pulling out your sword. You're waiting for somebody else to pull out your sword. And you don't want somebody to talk about short skirts and all the other things like that. And I'm not saying you people here, I'm just, I'm just wound up. 
Can I go a little farther? Brother Bram said, you're affected by those spirits that come through television. Your spirit comes from above or holiness, purity, and cleanliness. He said, oh God, why can't I make the people see that? But you got to be born from above. And when you're born from above, comes here on earth. Watch what he says. And when you're above, comes here on earth, you're a pilgrim. Now you're an oddball. You see what he's saying? If you're born from above, that spirit comes down to indwell in you. Now you're an oddball. You're automatically a pilgrim. You're automatically odd. You don't wear tattoos and you don't have uh, earrings and your nose and, uh, and your eyelids and everything else. He says, and when you're, when you're uh, above comes here on the earth. I remember, listen, I remember when, when years ago and I was in Soho in London. And I was walking down a crowded street, King's Cross. Were you on King's Cross? <clears throat> and I saw these two people walking down, two guys who were, uh, they looked like they were, uh, I don't know what they were. But they were walking down the road, and they, one of them had an earring, the other had an earring, and they had a chain between the two of them. And they were connected, you know, by this chain. They were walking out right close together. And they were meant, I think, to symbolize they were really close together. And I, 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 I couldn't look at it because I thought, what if somebody said, excuse me? I could get through here. <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't do it. I, oh, I just. <laughs> when you're above, comes here on the earth, you're a pilgrim. This is not your home. <clears throat> you don't belong here. You're just passing through. A blushing prophet. If I understand it right, Brother Bram didn't blush a whole lot. I mean, he was pretty straightforward. But this is the title of his sermon, and he said, I'm almost done. And what we're doing today, he says, we're patting it on the back. And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about revivals. He's talking about people have a great religious emotional meeting and everybody, you know, has a, a hoedown and all the rest of it. And he says they go out and live just like they lived when they, before they came to the revival. It's just like, <clears throat> just like the time that there was a, an evangelist who told a story. He said, I had an altar call and... <clears throat> And uh, this woman came down from the back. It was like a theater. And she came down from the back. She had her hands in the air and she was screaming out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. So she came to the altar and he prayed for her. Next night, they had a revival again. At the altar call at the end of it, here comes the same woman. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. So the evangelist, he goes down and prays for her again. And then the third night, I have the same meeting. Same woman comes down. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And someone who was in the church hollered out, she leaks. <clears throat> it all leaked out from last night. Friends, that's not how it works. And, and brother, here's what Brother Bram said now. He said, we're just patting it on the back. And we're calling it this and that and a revival when there's no revival to it. Well, how can he say that? How can he say that? He said, there's a stirring of emotion called religion. Stop. I believe that good things can happen in the right atmosphere, at a camp or a meeting or revival. I believe that. Absolutely do believe that. I promote that. I long to see that. And when you kids go to a camp or something else, I pray that God meets with you 
Not just that you have 100 new likes on your Facebook afterwards, but you know what? You come back with something real. And I've seen some of our kids come back with something real that changed them. And I thank God for that. And as parents, you ought to be praying that that happens. Something real. Not just a bubble dance and not just a feeling, well, we went through the prayer line like as everybody else went through the prayer line. Hey, that's a stirring of emotion. That's what he's called. Now, how can he say that? It's called religion among the people, but there's no revival. That's quite a statement. Watch. Why the morals of this nation has become so low? Till make a dog ashamed. And the things the nation has done, that the people has, got, has done, it's a lack of prayer. In other words, in other words, if we had a real revival, it would drive people back to the word. If we had a real revival, it'd be, listen, it would birth the people who had some conviction. So now the skirt I used to wear, I, 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 I can't wear that anymore. Or, or the, the thing I used to watch, I, I, I can't watch that anymore. Because there's, I don't know, I just can't live myself. I just, because you know what's just, <clears throat> I can't even sleep at night. I can't, you know what that is? That's the Holy Ghost conviction that the Holy Ghost wants to give you. Because if, 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 if you really got something, your morals are going to be affected. I said your morals are going to be affected. And you can sit there and trim your hair or sit there and wear clothes that are clearly identified, that Brother Random clearly identified as inappropriate, and look at me and say, it don't matter. You know what? I get worried. I get really worried at that. Because here's Brother Branham in the last quote. He said, Lord, how can I get the people to see this? I do the same thing. And I realize it's got to be the Holy Spirit. Can I finish the quote? The church used to didn't believe in picture shows. They, parents, wouldn't let their children go to picture shows. They would shun picture shows. And today we have the picture shows in our house. Is anybody unclear? <laughs> I'm not making fun or anything, but is anybody unclear? And I have to ask the question, not a, and I'm not talking to you in, in, in particular here, but I'm just saying, where are the parents? Where are the parents that have years of experience in the message and raise no objection? It comes back to what I think has been a problem for a long time, and that is we don't read the message anymore. We don't read our Bibles. I don't mean to make you feel bad, but I'm, I'm reading the message here. And, and I think it's pretty clear. God gave it to us real clear. God gave it to us in real simple English. And God gave it to us years ago. So that we'd always have it with us when we raised our children. And now we have a generation of people around that feel like there's absolutely no Absolutely no hesitation about going to theaters and so forth where a movie maker is trying to send you a message and impress you with something and have you go away with a feeling and a mood and an atmosphere and bring that with you. Because, I mean, isn't it true you bring the atmosphere of this service with you when you go and you fellowship with people, right? And, and if you're in a movie theater and there's spirits there that, and horror films that are being played there and all the other immoral stuff that's being played there, and so the atmosphere stops there because you're a believer?
You know, it, I, I, I just, I guess, I guess I just, I, I know that God knows what he's doing. And, and just because, just because something is available doesn't mean that it's okay to do. And I don't think I should have to get up here and say, you can do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and you can't do this, and this, and this, and this. We're going to check the boxes here. And if, you're, if, you, if you don't have any boxes checked on that side, then you can sing in the choir. And if you don't have any sitting on this side, if you have all these checked over here, you can sing in the choir. I don't think we need to legislate or be legalistic in that way. And You know what? Because you can check all the boxes and still be cold in your heart towards Christ. You can sing in the choir because you're a good singer and all of that, but you know what? Or you can get up and play the piano or something. But you know what? It's, it's not about that. It's about you having your heart in, in tune with Christ. That's, that's really what it's about. And Brother Branham is saying, he said, here are the people standing in the, in the first exodus and they're longing for the garlic pots of Egypt. They're looking back at that and saying, wow. We want to go back to the low life, you know. We could only go back to the low life. And Brother Bram said, if they could only feed on the grapes of the promised land. Amen. And he said, get, get drunk on that. He said, oh, he said, that'd be such a thrill. In other words, what he's telling us is that the food going forward far, far outpaces what's back there. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be described as a low life. I don't want to be a participant in any kind of low life. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying that I don't want to do that. The human spirit, we all need entertainment. We all need to relax. You know, we, we all need our Sabbath. We all need our place that we can relax and all. And I'm not talking about, about that. We, we're not, we, we don't live with our, with our Bible in our hands 24 hours a day. And I'm not su- suggesting that. I'm just saying that when Brother Manham identifies something as clear, clearly like this, I'm just saying, you, first of all, you as parents, we kind of need to look at that and say, hey. Or, or sit down with your kids and say, hey, what did you think of what Brother Barry said about this, that, something else? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's, is there other things we can do? Is there other ways we can, uh, we can spend time together? Why don't you make your home a place where Brother Barry said, make your home a place where people would want to come? And, and so on, so on, so on. If we need to do more things here at the church and get a volleyball net and get a, you know, a fire going and all that. We got the fall coming, thank God. We got the fall coming and, and all, you know, times we get together. Let's do it. Why not? Like we had Brother Christian here a couple of weeks ago and told his testimony here. How many enjoyed that evening? Let's see your hands. How many were here were enjoyed that evening and Brother Christian gave his testimony? Why, not, why, why shouldn't we do more of that stuff? Why shouldn't we hear Brother Sam's testimony coming out of the army? Bless God, the Marines. And, you know, and, and here, here, here's stories of some of you people that have come out and, and, uh, and, and get together and have some fellowship. Why couldn't we do that? Amen. Sounds doable. But you know what? Like Brother Bram said, the minstrel came and played. And Brother Bram said, if you can't be a prophet, be a minstrel. Do your part to bring the Spirit of God around. Why don't you come to me and say, hey, why don't we do a little... Uh, or if you have a gathering, Brother Barry, next time, count me in. I'll help out as an adult. I'll help out and help organize it and get, get things. I'll show up on a Friday night and uh, be there with the kids. I'll do that. We are not limited at all. We got a beautiful big building. 
We have facilities here. We got land. We got adults. We got food. Do you catch my drift? In other words, yeah, well, kids are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I happen to raise four of them. And they're all fairly strong-willed. And uh, by God's grace, they're all serving the Lord. That's not my doing. Now, I believe that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I don't take credit for their conversion at all. My wife and I, we don't. But I will tell you what, we tried to encourage them to stay in the right company, do the right things. And if they went off to do something, we went with them. If they were in, uh, you know, a camp out, or something, we went with them. We were, we were part of it because, you know what? God gave us those children for a season. And we invested in them and did what we could. We can't convert them, but we did what we could. And, and I, I say this, if we need to have more family camps and do that, great. If we need to have more, uh, you know, uh, meetings and, and, and young people's meetings and whatever else, let's do it. But let's not do it just to have a religious emotion. Let's, let's preach something real. Let's, let's just pray to, we should, we should preface a meeting with prayer that God would, would come and revive the hearts of these young people and touch them. Not just go away in another, another notch on our stick and we've got another meeting under our belt. Hey, listen, we should be praying that God would, would deal with our young people and, and so forth. But if we need that, let's have that. But let's have, let's have something real. I don't know about you, but I want to make it. I, I don't want to just go through a bunch of religious motion here. I want to make it. And here's the thing that you need to know. I'm going to leave you with this. Someone said long, long, long ago, Billy, I'd love to be a Christian, but I had a habit that I inherited from my father, and that habit is playing cards, gambling. And it's worse than any other habit. I just have to play cards. I've got to gamble. Somebody who has a gambling spirit has a real problem. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is the person deliverable from that? Let me tell you something. With God, all things are possible. You've got to, you've got to remember that. Whether it's homosexuality, whether it's gambling, or whether it's an addiction to a drug or whatever else. He says, Brother Bram says, I love his words. You don't have to be a slave to it. Amen. There's a bomb in Gilead, a bomb in Christ. There's a cure for it. You don't have to drink. You don't have to gamble. You'll die on the church steps until you take the remedy that cures. Amen. That's what satisfies. That's what takes sin away. Let's have our musicians slip up here. You don't have to be a slave to it. It does not have to own you. You know where that is? You know where that is? That's low life. That's back here. That's on the other side of the Red Sea. That's where that is. There's a promise with us. There's a Christ with us. And there's a promise ahead of us. And Brother Branham's articulating the difference of what low life looks like and Christian life looks like. He's articulating that difference. This is what that looks like. This is what this looks like. This is what we came from. This is where we're going to. This is what we once enjoyed. This is what we repent of, and this is what we go on to. May God give us that vision. May God give us that strength to pursue that. May God give us that desire to pursue that. We have a, Houston, we have a problem when people want to go back to the low life. And nobody says anything. My job is to give you the whole counsel of God. I'm not trying to ruin anybody's day. I'm just giving you the whole counsel of God. I would never do it. I would have sensibly taken the day off and put my arm up today if, if I had any sense. But the Lord laid this on my heart so strong. And my wife said, hey, you know, are you up to doing this? And I said, I, I just, I got to go, I got to go through with this today. I got to go through with this today. And I'm not I'm trying to be a martyr and I'm not trying to be a hero and all the rest of it here. I'm just saying that 
We work very hard here. We work very hard in the church to create an atmosphere. Because we want you to be affected by the service, by the music, by the preaching, all of that. We want you to be, it's intentional. It's crafted a certain way. There's a church order that was given to us by a prophet. Very, very uh, intentional. The devil is doing the same thing, just in a different message. Every filmmaker has a message for you. I want to be in this atmosphere. I want to take this with me. I want it to last. I want it to last until Wednesday. I want it to, I want it to stay with me. I don't know about you. I don't want to live the low life. Let's stand. Jesus, your name is Jesus, your name is mine. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name. Sing it again now. Jesus, Jesus, your name is power. your name will break every stronghold Jesus your name is mine sing it now Jesus, Jesus. your name is healing Jesus your name is sign oh Jesus your Remember now, Brother Bram said, you fill your ditches. You hit a snag, throw it out. 
Keep digging ditches. Keep digging ditches there. It's the Holy Spirit's job to fill those ditches. We just got to keep digging. Digging. And the more you dig, the more you get. The more you dig and cast out the stuff that's in the way, the more water gets in that ditch. It's not your job to provide the water. It's the Holy Spirit's job to provide the water. It's our job to just to dig the ditches here. And when the people and the prophet get in line, get in harmony, you know what? The Spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God moves. Yes, sir. In and out of... In and out of situations That tug of war in me All day long I struggle Thank you, Jesus For the answers that I need Then I come into His presence And all my questions become clear And for that sacred Oh. 
raise your hands and worship him singing now Jehovah Jireh Oh my Take my heart 
says high time we took out our sword and used it against all of these enemies that are out there. What does that look like? How do we do that? Sometimes we just take a look at our own lives and say is, is there an enemy? And the best enemies are real subtle. Best enemies don't look like enemies at all. That's what makes it so challenging. But that's why God gave you the Holy Spirit. You're not defenseless. God bless you. We're going to sing this this morning here. And just before we sing it, let's just bow our heads together. And I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, draw us close to you, Lord. And that's our, that's our heart. That's, that's what we desire, Lord. I'm not trying to see how f- close we can come to the cosmos. Lord, we just want to walk on a path that's close to you. Sometimes, Lord, you you speak to us in plain ways to help us to realize. You sent a prophet for a reason. You sent a message for a reason. 
And there are things in there we need to apply. We need to dig, dig, dig. We don't want anything shallow. We want a real experience. We want a real filling. We want the real water that comes from the Holy Ghost. Fill us, Lord, I pray. Fill our cups. Fill our families. Fill our children. And draw us close to you, Lord, in all of them. As we know, Lord, you you sent this message because you love us. And you sent it, Lord, because it had the power within it to get us into another kingdom. Change our bodies. Thank you, Lord. Minister to those who are sick today, Lord, and those who need your touch. I commit them to you, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw near to those who are hurting today, those who are in recovery, and ask you, Lord Jesus, to just to help them. We love you and we thank you. So appreciate your presence among us. Have your way now, we pray. In Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Draw me close.
time No one else will do And nothing else could take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Lord, help me find the way Bring me back to you